Doesn't get any better than that. Amen. Wow. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Y'all are so blessed to have such wonderful, wonderful music in this place. And I just uh, stand amazed and praise God for it. It's already been a good day. Let me just say thank you. Uh, thank you for being here tonight. This is a good group for Tuesday night. Uh, you have honored the Lord, and as I said last night, you have certainly blessed us. So thank you for choosing to be in God's house. But we started off with a good day this morning. If many of y'all remember, uh, Brother Charles announced last night uh, partial truth. Not whole truth, partial truth. He said uh, we were going to meet as men, and that we would have biscuits, sausage, what else? No gravy. No gravy. No, you didn't say mayo jelly. You said gravy. Gravy. And some of them men said, where's that gravy at? But no gravy. So partial truth. But we appreciated the biscuits, the jelly, and the sausage. And I appreciated the men that showed up a good, good crowd. I, I'm not in charge around here. So I just simply told the men this morning, I said, let me relate to you what Charles wants. He wants us to go in that building and pick up all the scrap lumber and then take brooms and sweep it out and have it clean. And men, okay. So we eat our breakfast, right? And so after we get through eating our breakfast, uh, I noticed that everybody was finished, so I picked up a few plates from some of the men, and I put them in the garbage, and then I went on out the door and started picking up boards. And then I looked around, and I noticed I was the only one picking up boards. So I come trotting back in there. They're in there just doing this, just to talk it. I said, come on, men. I said, we, uh, we need to get to work. And I guarantee you, those men got up and they came in there and they whipped it out. And we just uh, had a great time of fellowship, but also a great time of ministry doing uh, what God had called us to do. And I appreciate the fellowship that we had. It's just good being with God's people. Amen. And so we just had a great time and did get it all cleaned up and got some of the outside uh, cleaned up as well. And so... Uh, uh, we made great he uh, headway. So I want to say to each and every one of you men uh, that were here today, thank you uh, for your hard, hard work. And I really mean that sincerely from my heart. Uh, you gave it all that you had, and I know you did. And, and so we thank you so much for that. And so uh, I wanted to share that. Proverbs 29, you remember, you don't have to turn there. You'll just remember this verse, for where there is no vision, the people perish. Amen? Vision's important. Uh, someone once said that we have, uh, have the capability of three sights. One is naturally our physical sight. The second is our imaginational sight. That's the sight that kids have when they're little, playing cowboys and Indians. They're cowboys today and Indians tomorrow, but uh, that imaginational thought and vision. And then, of course, there's that spiritual vision that we have the capability to see is uh, that which God would have us to see. And that's the most important vision that we have. That's one thing I learned from your pastor is that uh, God gives visions uh, 
uh, that if we will simply follow his leadership, there's not anything that God cannot accomplish. I was sitting there this afternoon thinking of all the programs that I've been in with Brother Charles. I remember at very beginning over at Ridgewood, uh, a little bitty old wooden church, and the next thing, uh, God gave him a vision to build a half-life center and half-kitchen and use it for a fellowship and also as an activity center, and, and God gave him that vision. It was fulfilled. And then I remember from that vision, we moved into a 600-seat auditorium and uh, debt-free, and God gave him that vision. And then from there, God gave him a vision to relocate, a complete a different facility, a different place. And I remember being there the, uh, in revival when we marched from the old place to the new place and had a celebration service. And uh, God gave them a vision, and the people caught the vision and, 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 and relocated. And then I remember the first building that they built on that new location. And then I remember the next building was a gym. I've been in a lot of building programs where you're a pastor, let me tell you. And God saw that uh, uh, the building was built in the sanctuary and then the school and then the gymnasium. And then he came to Woodland Hills. I remember the first time that I came. One little building here with a wing on it. I was sitting there the other night thinking Brother Randall was one of the first guys that I've met when I came here the very first time and been a dear, dear friend. But I remember that place that we worshiped. And then I was there with you as you went into the building program of this building. I don't remember y'all built so much that I don't remember the order that they went, but I remember when you built this building over the old building. And then I remember you started out with a little uh, shed out there with a lean-to was going to be a youth activity center, and now it's a fellowship hall. And then I remember the other building. And now I stand here tonight seeing the vision of the two-story children building. God gave a vision, and people caught the vision. God was honored, and many souls were won. And so it's important that we see what God would have us to see. That's one thing that I've learned, that there's not anything that God cannot do. That when he gives us a vision that no matter how big it is, that we're not to draw back, but we're to trust him and to follow his leadership. As I've always said, that if, if God's in it, we can't stop it. And if he's not in it, we couldn't supply it. Amen? And so visions are important. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to talk about some of those visions. And, and the visions that I want to talk about are some of the visions that Paul had. In the book of Acts, Paul had four visions, and I want to share uh, as much of that as I can tonight in the time that I have allotted, but I want to talk about Paul's important visions of seeing what God would have him to see. Now, the first one's a very evident one, the one that we're the most familiar with. It's found in Acts chapter 9. You remember that vision, the vision of conversion. Here he is on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and all of a sudden a light... Uh, 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 shined and uh, uh, shined about him, and and, and the Bible said that uh, he heard a voice that Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then you remember what Paul said. He said, "Who art thou, Lord?" I've often said here was a man that knew all about the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord. 
Folks, our churches are filled with people like that today. They know all about God, but they've never seen God through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was Paul. He said, or saw at this time, he says, Who art thou, Lord? And, and then you remember the Bible said the Lord revealed himself unto him. And you remember what his second words were? He said, What will thou have me to do? I've always preached that as a surrender of salvation. Once that God reveals himself, then we must be willing to surrender ourselves unto him. And so he says, what will thou have me to do? And I'm just going to paraphrase this one because it's the one that we're most familiar with. And the Bible said that he told him that he would be taken into the city and it will be told what he must do. And you remember he was struck with blindness and there was a man by the name of Ananias and he spoke to him and just called him by name. And you remember what he said? He said, here am I, Lord. You know, I've never read that, that I haven't thought that if God just called us by name, are we sensitive enough to hear God's voice? This man was, and the Bible said he told him, he said, I want you to go into the city, and I want you to lay your hands upon a man by the name of Saul, uh, that he may receive his sight. You remember what he said? He said, surely not that man. He, he said, I, I know something about him, and and I know the harm that he's done. Surely you're not talking about him. And you remember what the Lord said. He said, but he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. I've often thought sometimes the very people that you and I may give up on are the ones that God may want to use the most. Amen? We're not the judge. God is. We can't see the heart, but God does. And so sometimes we just simply need to trust God and to know that God is in control and that he knows what he's doing. So he goes in and he lays his hands upon him. And you remember what happened? All oh, this is right here in Acts chapter 9. Immediately his eyes were open. And, and then you remember the first thing he did after he received his sight? The Bible said he arose and was what? Baptized. I like that. I said in the message the other night, I don't believe that baptismal saves you, but I believe it identifies you. It doesn't come before salvation. It comes after salvation. It's a symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You're identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Bible said he arose and was baptized. And then you remember what happened next. That was in verse 18. Verse 19, he says that... Uh, uh, he received meat, was strengthened, and Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Uh, he became a part of the, uh, the group. He, he became a follower. He became a, 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 a follower of those disciples. I've always said I believe that every Christian needs a church family. Uh, birds of a like feather flock together. And once he became a Christian, he wanted to be with Christians. He wanted to be with God's people. And then, of course, lastly, the Bible says in verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. And so he began to proclaim the message. I said, the whole gospel's right there. You see, the gospel begins with salvation. My friend, you can't share it if you don't know it. Amen? And so it begins with salvation, but once you are saved, you follow the Lord in baptism because it identifies you. And as I said in the message the other night, that if you have a problem with your baptism, you got a problem with your salvation. 
because sal uh, baptism is identity of your salvation. And then the Bible says that we're to join the believers. Everybody needs a church home so that we can grow. And then ultimately we become shares of the gospel. So there's a whole, whole gospel right there in this very first vision that Paul had. But that wasn't the only vision that he has. Now we have Saul converted. We have Saul baptized. We have Saul with the believers. We have Saul proclaiming the gospel. Let's look at the second vision that Paul had. It's found over in the book of Acts chapter 16. It begins reading in verse 9. This is what it says. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. I call this the vision of ministry, the, the vision of the work of God. Because notice what it says. He has this vision, and notice what it says. There stood a man and prayed him and said, now watch this, come. Come. You see, I believe that there's a ministry for each and every one of us. You have heard me say repeatedly, we're not all alike, but we're all important. We all can't do the same things, but all of us can do some things. And so there's a ministry for you. Now, I cannot tell you where that ministry is, but I do believe that God can. And he calls each and every one of us to a ministry. When I was a pastor, I, my, 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 great, my greatest challenge was I wanted to try desperately to get every member in our church plugged in to a ministry somewhere. Because I do not believe that a Christian can ever be happy and ever be content if they're not doing what God has called them to do. God has called each and every one of us to a ministry. And notice this, it says, come where? Come to Macedonia, over into Macedonia, a Pacific place. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, I just don't know what God would have me to do. My friend, have you ever asked God? The truth of the matter is, my friend, God has a Pacific ministry for each and every one of us. Man, I, I, I'm so grateful for those men that were out there this morning. Man, that's a ministry. That's a ministry that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Men that are willing to just simply say, I may not be able to do a lot like me. I may not be able to do a lot, but I can do something, and I'm willing to do whatever God asks me to do, wherever it may be. This is Saul. Saul gets a call to a Pacific place, but notice what else it says. It says, and he says, come over into Macedonia and help us. You know what I interpret that as? Work. See, that's the problem with most Baptists, is that we do not, it's not that we do not know that God calls. It's not that we do not know that God has a Pacific place. We just don't want to do the work. Let somebody else do the work. No, my friend, I want to tell you, ministry is work. 
Ministry is being involved. Ministry is doing, fulfilling what God has you to fulfill because nobody else can do what you do. And so it's a call to work. He said, come over and help us. But notice what else it says in that same, same passage of Scripture. After he had seen the vision, notice what it says. Immediately we, uh, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. See, I, that's where I believe that we have a problem. We haven't seen the vision. We haven't gotten on our face before God to simply say, God, I believe that you have given me a talent, a gift, an ability. God, I cannot do what everybody else do, but God, I can do something. And God, I asked you, God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I want to be involved. And my friend, if we ever truly get the word from God, immediately we would go. The problem is we've just never seen the vision. We've never asked God, what is it that God would have us to do? Where is it that God wants us to plug in? My friend, listen to me. I'm just preaching to you from a pastor's heart tonight. But folks, the church is not built upon a few people. The church is built upon all the people. That all people get involved. That all people get plugged in. All people participate because God has a place for each and every one of us to minister unto others. Amen? And when he saw it, immediately he endeavored to go. Why? Because he knew that God had called them to preach the gospel unto them. What is the ultimate purpose? is so that the gospel can be proclaimed. Amen? See, you, you may not be able to see it, my friend, but listen to me tonight. I mean, I, I, I'm not just trying to just pick on this morning, but just this morning, those men that came up here early in the morning and, 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 they, and they got out there and they, and they swept and they picked up boards and, and they cleaned up the mess and, and all of that and then walked away. But one day, some little child's going to be saved in that building. One day a life is going to be changed in that building. And one day when that child is saved in that building, God's going to look back and put a check beside those men's name and say, you know what? You did what you could with what you had. And I honored it. I honored it. But it's not just in that building. It's, it's in all ministries of the church, whether it's working with the children, whether it's working with the youth, whether it's working with the college kids, whether it's the adults or whether it's with the senior adults, it doesn't matter. It's just that you and I plug in doing what God would have us to do because it proclaims the gospel so that somebody else's life can be changed. We've got to see that vision. I've got to see that vision. You've got to see that vision. What is it that God wants? You know, I stand up here tonight, and I look out here at, at Brother Allen's life. Man, I, I admire Brother Allen, and I've told him, I, I appreciate uh, the, the, the miles and, and the ministry and the lives that he has touched, but God hasn't called me to that ministry. God's called Allen to that ministry. And Allen saw that vision from God that over there, Far, far away, somebody was calling out, would somebody come and help us? And Alan stepped in, said, God, I'll go. 
Morocco. God spoke to a little country boy and said, man, I, I want you to be a pastor. And, and I, 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 I said, God, here I am. I'll go. And I was a pastor. And, and then in the midst of pastoring, God said, I, I want you to leave the pastor. I want you to go into evangelism. And, and, and God, just, God just made, but folks, listen, it's finding the place where God wants you to be, doing what God has called you to do. So what do we see? We see, first of all, his vision of conversion. Secondly, we see the vision of his work. Let me give you the third vision of Paul. Notice what it says here in Acts chapter 18. You remember this. He's up there, and, and he's with Aquila and Priscilla, and, and, he's, and he's making tents with them, but, but he's preaching the gospel too. And, and the Bible says that, that he goes out to the synagogue in verse 4 every Sabbath and, and, and persuadeth the Jews and the Greeks and and, but, but the Bible says, no, notice in verse 6, and when they oppressed themselves and, and blasphemy, he shook his raiment and said to them, your blood be upon your own head. I'm clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. So he leaves them. Now, get this picture. Here's the vision. I mean, he, he's over here, and he's ministering to these folks, and these folks don't want the gospel. They don't want to have anything to do with the gospel. They don't even want to hear the gospel. And they reject him. And so he said, look, if you don't want the gospel, fine. I'll take it to somebody else, but blood's not on my hand. But can you imagine the rejection he must have felt? Can you imagine how much that he felt like that he had not accomplished what God had called him to accomplish? I imagine when he left there, that he left feeling like he had failed. That, that some way, somehow, that God wasn't in it, that God didn't care, that he had preached, he had done his very best, and it had fallen upon deaf ears, and nobody wanted the gospel. But notice what happens. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, Cleopas, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his house, and many of the Corinthians here and believed and were baptized. Now watch this, verse 9. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Notice the vision. Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Do you see the third vision he had? In a moment of despair, in a moment of discouragement, in a moment when he felt like that everything was going wrong in his life, what happens? God comes in the night and God speaks to him. And notice what God tells him. He says, I want you to know, first of all, I'm with you. I haven't left you. I'll never leave you. I've never forsaken you. I'm right here with you. Have you ever been discouraged? I, I, I'm talking about the ministry. Have you ever just become, become discouraged in the ministry? I, I, I believe that anyone that's ever been in the ministry has been discouraged. Amen? But you see, what God wants you to know is that he, He's with you. He hasn't left you. You're not alone that he's there, and that he wants to encourage you by his presence. And notice what he said, not only am I with you, but no man shall settle on thee to hurt thee. You know what he was saying to him? He was affirming his protection upon 
Saul. He said, I'm going to protect you. Ain't nobody going to hurt you. Wow. He said, not only am I going to be with you, not only am I going to protect you, but notice what he says, for I have much people in this city. You know what he was saying? He said, Saul, I want you to know I got a lot of people here just like you. I got people here that love the Lord. I got people here that want others to hear the gospel. I want you to know you are not alone. Keep on keeping on doing what I've called you to do. You talk about a vision. Folks, I don't know about you, but in times of discouragement, my friend, there is no one that can comfort us like God can comfort us. Amen? There is no one that can encourage us like God can encourage us. I don't know, maybe you've never been there, uh, but I want to tell you, uh, sometimes people will reject you. Sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say. And sometimes you just feel like that you're in that, that bubble all by yourself and that everything you've tried just hasn't worked out and, and, and it just seems like the, that it, it, it's not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden God steps up to you and says, hey, wait a minute, I haven't left you. People may have left you, but I've never left you. And besides that, nobody's going to hurt you. Because I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. And besides that, whether you know it or not, you've got a whole lot of other people right here around you that feel the same way you do. They love me just as much as you love me. They want to serve me just as much as you want to serve me. They want to proclaim the gospel just as much as you want to proclaim the gospel. I want to tell you, Paul, i got people here just like you. Did you know there are people in this room right here that feel just like you? I'm talking about people in this room that love God just like you. People in this room tonight that want the ministry to succeed. People in this room tonight that want the gospel to be proclaimed. People in this room that want to see souls saved. People in this room that want buildings to be built and kids to get saved and teenagers' lives to be turned around. There's people in this room with the very same heart that you have. You're not alone. Sometimes all you need to do is see what God wants you to see. You're looking at you're, you're, you're looking through physical sight instead of spiritual sight. And folks, if you walk by sight, you're going to be disappointed. But there's times in our life that we got to walk by spiritual sight, not physical sight. Wow. I told the retirement center this, this Sunday morning, I was talking to them about Caleb, you know, at 85, wanting his mountain and everything. I said, you know, I, I told them, I said, just last night I preached about Moses. He gets his ministry at 80. And now Caleb's at 85, and he's wanting his ministry. So it doesn't matter how old we are, it's how young we are, because God used a little boy with the loaves and fishes. Uh, but I, I told the folks then, I said, but, 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 but Caleb had a faith that never wavered. I said, you notice I didn't say he had just a faith. I say he had a faith that didn't waver because it's not a question of faith, not a question in your life or my life about faith because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So it's not a question of faith. But what's made Caleb different, he had a faith that never wavered. And I explained to the folks there, have you ever put yourself in Caleb's shoes? 
I mean, they go into the promised land, spy it out. They all come out. All of them agreed on this, that it's everything that God said it was. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. As a matter of fact, they had to pull a cluster of grapes, and they said it's everything that God said it was, but God didn't tell us the whole story. God told us about the goodness of the land, but God didn't tell us about the, uh, the, the, the hardness of the land. God didn't tell us about those people over there that are giant in comparison to who we are. And God didn't tell us about those walls around uh, those cities over there that are tremendous. And so uh, what happened? You remember what happened. Uh, the majority of the spies said, but we can't go been better for us to stay, and you remember the story as well as I do, except for two, Caleb and Joshua, and they said, let us not rebel against God, let us go ahead and possess the land. God is able. But you remember what happened. The Bible says that God, they rebelled against God, and they complained against God, and God said, I'll send them out into the wilderness till I raise up a new generation. I told the people at the home, I said, have you ever imagined what Caleb had to listen to for 45 years? I mean, from day one, all he heard, I knew we shouldn't have come. I knew we shouldn't have listened to Moses. I knew this was a mistake. No, y'all don't have none of those kind of people in your church, I know. But I mean, I mean you build something. So I knew we shouldn't have built it. I wasn't for it. You know, we got out here and now we're in trouble. All that junk, you know. Caleb heard that over. And can you imagine what he heard when people began to die? 45 years, all he heard was negativism, 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 negative. But 45 years later, he's standing there at 85. What does he say? He said, I'm just as strong this day as I was the first time I stood here. You see, no matter what he heard, no matter what he saw, it never changed his belief in his God. You see, that's a problem with many of us. We get discouraged. Because we begin to look at circumstances instead of the vision. We begin to listen to people instead of listening to God. And all of a sudden we get discouraged and we feel like there's of no avail, that some way, somehow it's not working out. When God comes along and he says, look, I, I want you to see this. Number one, I haven't left you. Number two, I'm protecting you. It's not about you. It's about me, God says. And I, I'm going to protect you. I, if I'm in it, I'm able to supply it. And lastly, I want you to know, there's a lot of other people in there that feel just like you do. They love me just as much as you love me. They want to see me just as bad as you want to see me. They want to accomplish just as much as you want to accomplish. I want you to know that you, are not alone. Amen? Now let me give you the fourth vision and then I'm through. If you'll just turn a few more pages on over to Acts chapter uh, 27, you remember this. Paul's on a ship, you remember, and they're in the midst of a storm. Man, uh, I, I love the scripture. The Bible said they're trying to go one way and the wind's blowing them the other way. And man, the ship is about to be broken up and everybody's fearing for their life and and so notice what he says in verse 23. Paul is speaking and he says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God whom I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou shalt be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them 
that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. Wow. In the midst of a storm, when everybody was fearing for their life, the ship is getting ready to be broken up. They're trying to go one way, and the wind is shifting it the other way. In the midst of that, Paul stood up, and he said, let me tell you something. An angel, an angel of God came to me, whom I, whom I am and whom I serve, my God. And he said, this is what he said. Fear not, Paul. Oh, you'll be brought before Caesar, but God has given you all them that sail with you. He said, it's not going to be easy, but you're going to make it. And notice what he said. Therefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God as it has even been told unto me. And I love the last verse of that chapter. It says, and the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of ship. So it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. They made it. Not one person was lost. And that's a vision of encouragement. God never did say that it was going to be easy. But what God did say, we're going to finish. We're going to make it to the finish line. No matter what it is or how difficult it is, we're going to make it. And I want you to know tonight that God loves you. And maybe tonight that you're in the midst of a storm. And maybe you feel like that, as I said last night, the wind is blowing and the thunder is lightning and your back is against the wall and the rain is falling and you feel like the weight of the whole world is upon your shoulders. You know what God wants you to know tonight? That if you're a child of God, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Because he hasn't left you. He's going to protect you. And he's going to deliver you. You're going to make it to the end. And so you know what I want tonight? I want to see what God wants us to see. There's some here tonight that your greatest need tonight is have a vision for your salvation. You know all about God, but you don't know God. There's an emptiness in your life that's never been fulfilled. You've looked for happiness where there was no happiness. You're seeking peace where there is no peace. And your greatest need tonight is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know tonight that if God reveals himself to you, that as I said last night, that you can never be saved until you do what God wants you to do. God revealed himself to Saul, and Saul responded by saying, Who art thou, Lord? What wilt thou have me to do? There's that surrender part. And maybe your greatest need is tonight is just simply do what God wants you to do. Trust him as your personal Savior. Maybe tonight your greatest need tonight is to follow him in baptism. 
Folks, I want to tell you, we have churches filled with people that their baptismal in disobedience in that they were baptized before they were saved, but they never were baptized after they were saved. I preached in Colleen several years ago, and the pianist got up off the piano bench and came, took the preacher by the hand just to weep it. He set her on the front row. She got up after the invitation and took the microphone and told the crowd, said, y'all know me. I'm a deacon's wife. She said, I've served on every committee in this church. She said, I've been on the pulpit committee. I've been a, I've been a financial secretary. She said, I've played the piano. I've taught Sunday school. She said, there is nothing in this church that I haven't done. But there's one thing that I've never made right, and that's my baptismal. She said, I was baptized as a young person, but later in life came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know without a shadow of a doubt tonight that I know that I'm saved, that I know that I know. But she said, I've never taught a lesson on baptismal. I've never heard a sermon on baptismal. I've never watched a baptismal that God didn't speak to my heart and say, that needs to be you. That needs to be you. You see, baptismal doesn't save you. It identifies you. It comes after salvation, not before. And maybe that's your greatest need. Maybe tonight you need a church home. Maybe tonight you need to find a place to get plugged in. I promise you, Brother Charles and Case will find you that place. They'll stick you in there with Aaron's choir somewhere. But there's a place in this church for you to serve. Maybe your greatest need tonight is to find that place of service where God wants you to serve. To know that he's with you, that he loves you, and he's never left you. So I ask you tonight, what do you see? You have a ministry. What is that ministry? You have a calling. What is that calling? Only you can see it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we just thank you for the simplicity of your word. God, we are grateful and thankful that God did it begins at salvation. But God, it doesn't end at salvation. Once we're saved, then God, you have a place for each and every one of us to serve. No matter how old we are or how young we are, that, God, that there's somebody somewhere that needs us. God, we're grateful tonight that no matter how discouraged that we get, that, God, that you've never left us, that, God, that you're always there watching over us, and that, God, there's people that are around us that feel the very same way that we feel. But sometimes we're so blind that we can't see it. And then, God, I'm grateful tonight that we're going to make it. Lord, we're going to cross the finish line. God, it may not be easy, but God, it'll be worth it all. So, Lord, I ask each person in this room tonight, God, to ask you what you want them to see. God, I don't want them to see my vision. 
God, I want them to see their vision. What you would have them to see. And then, God, I pray for a willingness to fulfill that vision. God, I've never hid the fact. I've said it over and over again that, that Brother Charles is my very best friend. But God, it's because that through the years from the very first time that I met him, I watched the man that, Lord, that got along with you to find the vision that you would have him to fulfill. God, I've seen little visions and I've seen big visions. But the one thing that I've never saw is I've never seen him pull back from what you wanted him to do. God, there were people around that couldn't understand it, couldn't see it. But God, I watched people at Ridgewood and I've watched people at Woodland Hills. God, to take hand in hand and fulfill the vision that God had given the church. But God, we've just started. There's people here tonight that are a big part of that vision. There's people here tonight that God did have given sacrificially. There's people here tonight that have given hours and hours and hours of their life to serve in this church. But God, there's some here tonight that God that needs to step forward. There's some here tonight that are sitting on the sideline that God that you want in the game. There's some here tonight that needs a church home to get plugged in. There's some here tonight that need a ministry that God that you could fulfill. So God, this is your invitation tonight. I know it'd be easy to stand in a moment and walk out and miss what you want to do. But God, I pray for courage for those that will come tonight and say, Pastor, or come tonight and say, Case, God's showing me something. And I've been afraid to step out. I've been afraid to step forward. But I'm going to tonight. Because I want to see what God wants me to see. Bless this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.